You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Mark Bedard. Today, super excited to talk to Uday Nayar on buyer enablement. Uday serves as America's strategy lead for Merkel's high-tech vertical and B2B capabilities. Prior to joining Merkel, Uday held positions in digital strategy and account management at large agencies like Ogilvy One and Digitas, where he held Fortune 500 client engagements across technology, financial services, insurance, and retail industries. Uday, we've been talking for a while, man. Uh, you know I'm really excited. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I don't know how much I, I butchered uh, Ogilvy One pre- pretty bad. <laughs> no, you didn't. You were perfect, actually. Uh, <laughs> you're being modest, man. Um, <laughs> so, so let's dive right in. This is a topic that I know um, you're incredibly passionate about, and it's very interesting and certainly one that we get a ton of interest on at Sunnyside Up, buyer enablement, the I'm going to let you take it away, really. So, like, can you give the the speakers an understanding of what buyer enablement is and really why do we need to start thinking about it? Sure, absolutely. So, the buyer enablement is uh, actually pivoting the the way we think about marketing and and start thinking about it from a, a buyer's lens. Now, we've had different terms and terminologies in the past where we've uh, uh, we've used those in terms of customer centric marketing or let's put the customer first or let's put a customer lens on uh, on things and i think on in the b2b space buyer enablement is is getting quite a bit of traction um, i was reading an article by gartner the other day and uh, and they defined it as as buyer enablement is the provisioning of information that supports the completion of critical activities necessary to make a purchase, right? It's really about how do we enable the buyer to make the purchase? And, and, and the reason for that is, and uh, I mean, historically, if you, if you look at the B2B sales cycle, it was very much dependent on the salespeople. Not to say sales is not important right now. Uh, all I'm saying is that buyers have so much information, so many platforms, so many avenues at their disposal now that they are essentially, I think more than 70% of their journey is even complete before they pick up the phone and talk to any sales salesperson. Um, so it becomes critical for brands, companies, or, or any sort of product or service provider to ensure that they are they are, they are setting up their, uh, their experiences in a way uh, that it enables the buyer and makes it easier for the buyer to sort of come to them uh, and buy from them. So that's essentially what, what, what buyer enablement is, is all about. I've heard that statistic, the 70% of research being done even prior to uh, engaging with, with someone, whether that be uh, the first communication, right, filling out a form or, or entering in for a demo or something like that, or even obviously talking to a sales professional or something to that degree. So that's a massive amount of education on the customer side 
prior to even getting the, the firsthand experience from the actual organization. No, you're, you're right. And, and, and I think that's where it becomes absolutely critical when we start looking at uh, crafting marketing strategies or, or, or uh, trying to sell to uh, prospects or, or buyers and, and we craft these bespoke journeys and, and nurture streams and, uh, you know, media strategies and we've got something in mind. We, what essentially it comes down to is that the buyer is going to have their own journey. They're going to have a mind of their own. It's going to be very individualized. Uh, there's no way we'll be able to sort of uh, figure this out for each individual buyer uh, in terms of having a marketing campaign out there. So the best way to handle this is going to be how to get smart about our perception for the buyer. Uh, what kind of uh, impression are we giving out in the market from a thought leader perspective or from a uh, expertise perspective? Uh, do we have enough content, quality content, and experiences on our website, on our dot-com websites, on our channels that will actually help them come back to us and keep coming back for more, not even from a product perspective, but even if they want to learn something about the industry, do they see us or any brand as thought leaders? Um, and do they want to come back and engage with with, uh, with the brand on, on those platforms? Because eventually that's going to help build the relationship. I mean, B2B is a, it's a slow relationship building process it takes time these these sales cycles are really long right uh, so it's not going to happen overnight uh, and and that's where we the the brands have to be uh, uh, smart about this mm, absolutely i remember we were talking previously and you were mentioning uh, how the the process or the customer journey is one uh, never going to be the same between customer to customer, but two, uh, it could be broken in some times, right? It, it could it could be uh, disjunct, if you will, right? The the customer might reach out via email one time, and maybe they phone call the other time. What what was that whole bit, and how do how do we address that nowadays? I guess. Uh, so so good question, Mark. I, I think the way to think about it is uh, first, I think it, we we must understand that that. The, the decision-making unit that we're dealing with on the brand side, uh, the, the demographic of, that, of the decision-makers has, has changed quite a bit, right? We're really dealing with millennials uh, who grew up uh, mostly uh, in the digital age, very digital savvy, very much used to uh, uh, consuming content a certain way in, in bite-sized, snackable content, right? Uh, and there are so many other channels that you can actually leverage uh, as you sort of think about that. Um, I think when when the the point I'm trying to make is that that marketing and sales is kind of still relevant, right? We still need to. We're not saying that these channels are going away, or the role of sales is going to go away, or the role of marketing is is, is going to go away. I think essentially what we're trying to tell them is that the companies or the brands need to start thinking about certain questions, right? Uh, as they think about buyer enablement, and 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 the top question that comes to my mind is. And I mentioned this a few minutes back. Is 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 the brand or destination the go-to source for answering the buyer's questions? Ultimately, I think that's where it, it boils down to: uh, is the brand uh, the right destination for for the customer to sort of come and get answers? How do the how do how how is a brand enabling a buyer to make the right decision? Right uh, now, whether that's happening through a telephone, whether you're helping them uh, via email, whether that's happening on .com, we on on a certain section. Um, but at the end of the day, the brand or or we have to make sure that we're making it really easy for the buyer 
to sort of come and get the information that they want not be not what we want to tell them it's basically what they want to hear and what they want to consume so, so thought leadership becomes really important the millennial mindset becomes really important as we start to think about it um, the whole decision making unit of influences and 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 uh, the the decision makers i think that needs to be sort of factored in into that and then I think there's also uh, an element of uh, the the right channel strategy, right? Uh, uh, and when I say channel, I mean the, the media channels or the digital channels. Uh, are we showing up in, in in the most relevant media and channels today, right? To stay top of mind. So the so .com is one angle to this where buyers are going to come and, and assuming that you're still sort of building that equity out in the market. I think there's so many other places in terms of media channels, partnerships that you can actually show up to show up and, and deliver quality content, right? And and develop thought leadership and, and publish it out there and and, um, and and get buyers exposed to that. Um, I think we at Merkle did uh, a research recently uh, from uh, one of our sister companies called B2B International. Uh, where they were talking about how much uh, uh, buyers are concerned with enriching their individual standings at their organizations as they're about the business value that a brand brings, right? Uh, so we did this whole superpower research where uh, personally the, the buyer on the B2B side is concerned about their own value as well. And I think if, if we can play a part to enable that value for the buyer to sort of uh, add value there or help them basically show themselves in, in a good light in their own companies. I think that's one of the avenues where we can sort of get in and help. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to dive in a little bit here because you've made so many good points. Uh, and just while it's on top of, top of the mind there, as you were just uh, wrapping that thought, um, you, you're essentially making it the B2B selling process and the buying process way more human from that perspective. Uh, it sounds like you're enabling the actual individual and supporting the individual with not just a feature list or products and services, but also with maybe more intrinsic uh, desires or needs that they, they would like to fulfill. No, absolutely. And I think that's where the, the, the consumer mindset uh, of, of enriching. So, I, I mean, you bring up a great point, Mark. I mean, we have to realize that a B2B buyer is a human being. Right. Uh, yes, it's a rational decision, but it's a highly involved decision uh, because uh, a consumer decision is probably, if, if relatively speaking, if you look at a B2B buying decision versus a consumer buying decision, a B2B buying decision is, is really sort of a highly, highly involved, relatively speaking, highly involved purchase because it not only is, is a bigger ticket item, it is also something which is going to impact your job, right? It's going it, it's, it's to impact uh, your reputation, right? Uh, so there are so many things that are at stake uh, for you while while you're making a B2B purchase, and then there are so many other like decision-making units that we sort of talk about. I mean, they're involved as well. So ultimately, what it gets down to is, yes, I mean, traditionally we've looked at firmographics, we've looked at the size of organizations, we've looked at the roles of these these decision makers, but there's a whole sort of human side to them as well, which we have to dive into, and how can we uh, ensure that we have the right data assets or we have the right uh, first party, second party, third party data on these people so we can get those insights, not only on a formographic B2B level, but also from a attitudinal psychographics, um, how do they behave on the, on the consumer side? Because that is very telling, right? As you start crafting those strategies, 
uh, how do we influence these uh, these decision makers? I think there's a whole sort of emotional side to this that we can bring into the uh, uh, bring into the spectrum now, uh, which was not possible a few years back. But now, given the way data and technology has kind of evolved, I think it's so much possible for 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 making that identity switch between B two B and B two C, uh, and get a whole three sixty view of uh, of a B two B buyer uh, that then eventually feeds into your creative strategy, that will feed into your media strategy, that will feed into your messaging, and and what have you. I couldn't agree more. And I actually just did a a podcast with Rob Gilio over at DocuSign, and he was talking about. Um, I can't remember the exact terminology for it, but it was a, a massive, uh, essentially a, a 360 view of their entire demand funnel. And he he, he actually uh, slapped my wrist for calling it a demand funnel at the time. It, it, it was more like a, a, demand, a demand journey, right? And, um, and you know, to stop, he was like, Mark, stop thinking about things as funnels. And I was like, okay, makes sense. But I mean, I think, I think you're exactly, you're exactly right where, it's so much data just to understand who you're selling to, who's who's interested in your solution, understanding those kind of foundational basics, but then layering on not only where they're at as it relates to the customer journey and how you need to enable them along that journey to be able to, to end up with making decision to actually purchase your solution, right. right? It's the thought leadership and all of those pieces coupled with the psychographics like you were mentioning and um, how they're interacting with your brand, that, that's a, it's a big endeavor. It's a massively, I don't want to say massively complex because I know you guys are doing it on, uh, on your side, but I mean, that's a, that's not the most simplistic thing nowadays. Oh, it, it, it's not. It, and, and it takes a lot. I mean, you really have to start with, depending on what you're trying to do, Mark, I mean, if, if you were going to do this right, you really have to start at the database level. Right. And, and I know that's not sexy and that's not what we like to talk about. And we are really talking about the activation layer. But essentially, for, for, for anyone to do any kind of meet, not meaningful, but having a high impact activation strategy, you got to have your data in the right form. Right. And that gets down to the quality of data you're collecting, where you're collecting it from. Uh, your identity mapping solutions, right? I mean, do you have the, the right identity mapping uh, that's that's going to uh, uh, in place for you to be able to actually stitch all the interactions that are happening with your brand with the same person on different avenues? How do you sort of bring that together? What kind of technology infrastructure do you have in terms of CDPs, in terms of uh, personalization uh, suites, and, and, and what kind of text tags do you have in, in, in place to actually leverage those? And then you have to sort of worry about the orchestration and the activation piece. Because at the end of the day, you could have the smartest strategy that we can sort of put out on paper, uh, and you could activate against that too. But but if, if that's going to bring in the first level you mentioned the funnel. If, if you're going to bring people to top of the funnel, for you to be able to pull them through the funnel, you have to have those comp- components right, right? Otherwise, they just kind of, uh, uh, you're going to lose them. The, the funnel is going to be leaky, right? Let's let me put it that way, right? Uh, so so I think that becomes uh, extremely important. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, add to that things like the, the death of the cookie. Right, which which is uh, going to make this even more important. Right, uh, your your identity graphs, your private identity graphs for your organization based on your first party data uh, will actually, uh, in my mind, be a key differentiator in the next year or two. Um, as as this as, as the cookie dies, right. Um, so so I think we need to start thinking about those things. Uh, um, 
uh, when when it comes to buyer enablement, I think it, we need to start thinking about how do companies start to pivot uh, for buyer enablement? How do they start getting that mindset? How do they start thinking about customer experience holistically? Um, and, and to your point, I mean, it's, it's, it's not an overnight job, right? I mean, these things take time, months, maybe years. I mean, you have to sort of get in and build out a full roadmap. Um, and, and understand what it's going to take from from an organization to to actually get that done. Are, are there baby steps? Because that's exactly the question that I, I wanted to dive into with organizations and certainly our, our listeners looking at this and and, and focusing more on um, enabling their buyers. They know that this is this trend's happening. They understand the generational uh, millennials are now uh, sitting firmly within the workforce and. It's a reality, right, at this point. But you mentioned death of a cookie and things like that, and I think we should expound upon these things. Like, how how does an organization, outside of rolling out a, a you know a three year migration plan, uh, that a lot of these companies can't can't feasibly do, right? They need to take baby steps. They need to actually start with maybe a few mediums, or I don't know, right? Like, what, how, what would you recommend to the organization that really gets buyer enablement, they want to embrace it, and they want to take the first steps into it? Sure. Uh, I mean, that's a great question, Mark. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, in, in my mind, as I, as I think about pivoting or having a more buyer enablement mindset, I think that the key things, and I think this word has been overabused in, in, uh, in the past uh, of few years or so, which is but it's still very relevant in my mind, is, is better personalization, right? Now, when we talk about better personalization, I think you need to start thinking about a, a, a few different things or, or, or broad pillars, right? I mean, you need to start thinking about what are the, what are the avenues of engagement, right? Uh, we are living in unusual times. You've got the pandemic. Everyone's kind of working from home. I think it's it's the it's some massive digital acceleration. Uh, I, I think uh, we could have ever hoped for that this pandemic has kind of brought about on the positive side, right? Uh, so as we think about, and, and that's really disrupted the way B2B uh, organizations used to sort of uh, go and sell, which was very sort of in-person sales-driven, right? Uh, but but with, with with the absence of that or or, or or call it a temporary stop, or or just kind of like the the new normal, uh, depending on how we how we start operating. You you got to look at your e-commerce strategy, right? I mean, e-commerce was a big thing on the consumer side. I think it's going to be a big thing on the on the B two B side now. Um, it's going to be uh, absolutely critical for B two B organizations to start setting up their, or even start thinking about okay, how do we want to start enabling. Uh, our e-commerce strategy. And if you start looking at large enterprise view versus a medium mid-market view or a small business view, uh, it, it becomes even more essential because as you go to the left on the spectrum towards small business, they act more and more like consumers, right? They'll probably go and easily buy from e-commerce, right? Um, on the large enterprise size, side, it, it's a little bit complex because you've got your whole sort of distribution channel. Of, of distributors, right, uh, for certain kind of companies on the B2B side that they've lined up. But there's always a balance you can find, right? Uh, not to say that you should not go ahead with the e-com strategy. It's, it's, you should definitely start thinking about how you want to start enabling that, right, even on a small scale. I mean, you could do a pilot and you could probably scale it up from there. Uh, so that's, I think, definitely one of the, one of the key things uh, that we need to sort of think about. And then... I think from a sales perspective, and, and a lot of companies have already started doing this, uh, with, with lack of, of sales access, I think we 
we have to start thinking about new ways of, of providing access to sales, right? Whether you're going to leverage your social media for it, whether you're going to uh, uh, get into virtual meeting setting, whether you're going to do virtual events, and I think a lot of those things have started to happen. The question is going to be, how do you make it more impactful and meaningful, right? You want to make sure that you have, uh, you don't have hour-long sessions on your work, on your virtual sort of events, or webinars. I mean, these should be like 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Uh, you should uh, ensure that uh, you, when you're thinking about e-commerce, uh, it's 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 really about uh, uh, the 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 ecom strategy that's coupled with your UX strategy that is really coupled with your customer experience strategy uh, and and what kind of segmentation are you looking at at the, at, at the back of it because everything has to align and work 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 in in, in lockstep right um, and then the third piece to that is I think definitely and I think most important uh, that I feel is is content right what kind of content are you building. Uh, uh, is it is it a very sales driven inside out view of content or uh, or are we really thinking about how do we be a better thought leadership uh, portal or or a content uh, hub or 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 is there enough value for a buyer or a prospect to come up to our website and and download high quality content because I think that's where the relationship starts to build right. Uh, in, an, uh, in, a, in a digital world, right? How can we help the buyers solve their problems? What are the industry issues that are sort of coming up? Do we have a point of view on that, right? Uh, agnostic to what, what we want to sell to them. Uh, so I think content becomes a big piece of this. Uh, the, the second uh, element here is, is technology. We spoke about the death of the cookie, right? Uh, that really sort of gets down to what kind of data structures exist, and and I think that's that's where we, I say we, we get into the to the boring part of marketing, but essential and foundational part of marketing. Because if you don't have the right data structure, you don't have the right identity mapping, you don't have the right sort of uh, tools and technology at the base of it. Uh, none of it, this will will get activated in the way uh, uh, brands want to, right? In terms of personalization, in, in terms of uh, customer experience, none of that is going to get delivered, right? And then, then, then AI has come a long way, right? If you look at artificial intelligence and the application of artificial intelligence in in, in marketing, on content, on creative, uh, that really enables uh, a better design, messaging, bespoke creative treatments, um, and and really sort of helps personalizing that interaction that the buyer has with us, right? Um, so I think AI becomes a, a big piece of it, uh, and then uh, and and then you 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 want to look at a few others, right? I mean, you've got. Uh, loyalty programs, I and mean, there's so much we can learn from the consumer side, and I'm not saying we're going to pick up a loyalty program from the consumer side and we can just on the B2B side. What I'm saying is that there is a way uh, to do that, and, and we've actually have, on our side, I can tell you at, at Merkle, like we have specialist practice practices on in B2B loyalty uh, that actually uh, have been put in place and, and, and have shown some great results. So, uh, so there, there's that. And and there's and, and the last piece I want to kind of talk about, uh, Mark, which is is absolutely critical because I personally am seeing this more and more uh, in the marketplace. Is how do we organize ourselves, right? Uh, and by that I mean uh, there is uh, there there's an element of organizational design, right? You may want to keep doing this or deliver the most 
absolutely fantastic and relevant customer experience and personalization but that requires a certain kind of organizational operational mentality and design uh and behind it for you to be able to sort of do it in terms of how teams are structured do you have the right roles and responsibilities uh do you have the right operating models uh what kind of workflow management is happening what does your org chart look like you know things like that are going to be absolutely critical uh for uh to, to enable a, a lot of this absolutely it sounds like uh, maybe two of the less sexy kind of uh, foundational layers. The data layer is critical and obviously the organizational uh, structure or the operations of it all um, being in place is, is pivotal as well. Uh, without those layers, it becomes very difficult to, to action on um, that, that experience or that journey. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The, the whole transformation journey and many a times, I think I, I can probably tell you, like it will not start like or organizational design and transformation is not really the first top of mind thing. It will, but in 99% of the cases, when you start talking about okay, how do we personalize, how do we sort of talk, enable a customer experience that is absolutely holistic, relevant, and it's going to show kind of impact, that all conversation comes up. And, and the minute it comes up, people like jump on it and it's an aha moment for them, right? Mm -hmm. That like we, or we, we didn't think about that, but we definitely need to do something about it. Uh, and that's a work stream in itself, right? How do we organize ourselves around this um, impact? Um, it's not a small topic, Uday. You didn't pick an easy one, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely not, but 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 it's important. Uh, I think I think all these pieces, Mark, are, are extremely important. And again, these are some of the things that, that just came to my mind, right? As we start thinking about buyer enablement, I mean, there's so many others. Every organization is different where they are on the maturity curve uh, is different what they're trying to do, how ambitious their goals are. I mean, it, it just kind of depends on uh, on what the organization is trying to do. But but, there's, but there is a, a plan and there is a method and, and, and there's a way you can get to buyer enablement for each one of those. I love it. Yeah, that's definitely something that I think the, uh, the listeners are going to take away from this podcast is uh, there, there's – there are steps and there's uh, there's pieces that you can tackle um, while you look at the holistic picture. Obviously, buyer enablement doesn't seem to be going anywhere. The entire uh, product-led growth models and things of that nature are just on the rise right now. So um, I think the more we can do to enable our uh, our buyers and 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 prospects right it's not you know buyers prior to them actually purchasing obviously is a sure. is a big piece of the puzzle so oh, um, absolutely absolutely more 100 with you so we we always ask on, on the podcast if there's anyone you'd recommend to to come on board with us that you think would enjoy it as well do you have anyone off the top of your head uh I actually have a few few names. I don't want to call them out right now without sort of discussing with them, but I will definitely get you two or three names. Uh, I mean, Merkel is a, is a powerhouse of, of talent and, and we've got so so many sort of rich point of views on so many different topics. Uh, I'll definitely get you uh, a few names that you can. I love it. You know what we'd love to dive into, what we get a lot is diving into maybe that unsexy data layer a little bit. You know, being a data company ourselves, we uh, we love living in that realm and, and we'd love to get some thought leadership over at Merkel to, to tell us what, you know, what's best practice as it relates to uh, understanding that foundational data element to the go-to-market. 
Absolutely. I'll, I'll have some info with you. People are going to want to reach out to you today. So what's the, what's the best route? Is, is LinkedIn the best or is there some other way? I think LinkedIn is the best. I think you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, uh, um, and uh, that's probably the best uh, way to get to me. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, the easiest and the place where I'll respond. Phone is usually not the best. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. It was an absolute pleasure. And uh, we're going to have to have you back. we got to dive deeper. Absolutely. And, and it's been great talking to you, Mark. Good luck. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.